so I'm doing part two of the courage to be. Like Sarah said, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go online. And I just believe God wants to strengthen us. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to be strong in heart and have a confidence in who we are. That song we sung, I am a child of God. I believe God wants us to have a confidence, not an arrogance, you know, but a confidence, a security in him. And I really believe that. And I looked at Joshua last week when God said to Joshua on three occasions, he says, be strong and courageous. And he said it another time as well in Deuteronomy. But he says it to him because he wants him in his weakness to understand that God is with him and that God is strong. And I want to encourage you this morning just to be real. I said last week, you've got to be real. You have to make yourself vulnerable. Joshua made himself vulnerable. He was very real and God met him where he was at. And he empowered him where he was at. So let's not, you know, confess faith that we're all strong and we've got it all together because none of us have. Most of us, if we're honest, are broken and weak. But in God, we are strong. In God, we are complete. In God, we are loved. In God, we are adored because we're made in his image. And I, I don't know about you, but imagine being in God's image. God made you in his image. Yes, we live in a broken world, but God came to restore that image through Jesus Christ and wants to rebuild you from the inside out and get you to believe in yourself, believe in who God is, and that there's a message for people out there who don't yet believe. So I just believe God wants to strengthen us, give us a courage to be who we are. This week, I'm going to call, I've called it Facing Your Fears, because we all face fears, don't we? And we sing these, these songs, there's no fear, and there is no fear in God. We don't have to fear God. We don't have to fear if we, if we know God, God's judgment of our lives and all of our wrong is paid for through Jesus Christ. We do have to reverence God and be aware there is an account on our lives for what we do with what he's given us. Jesus taught on that about parables. God's given you a gift and he wants you to do something with that gift. So we do have to have a reverence of God. Wow, what can I do? But it's not from a place of fear. Otherwise, we'll freeze and not use it. It's from a place of, oh, God's given me a gift and he loves me and he wants me to use it and get on with it. But we know, and I know, I don't know about you, we all face fears. Can I talk about fears this morning? As soon as I say fears, you start thinking, oh, what is it I fear? And I really encourage you, as you listen to this message, don't just listen to people. Go away and start to think about what are the fears I face and begin to journal them and think, why am I like that? You don't have to write it down, but on your journey through the week or through the month, when you face fears, think to yourself, oh, there's a fear. Why am I feeling like that? And begin to think to yourself, "Why why am I reacting like that? Why is it stopping me? Why is it controlling me? And begin to think, well, should it control me? And actually, can I learn to conquer that fear and overcome it? Because I believe God wants us to overcome it. And we all face fears. You know, the, the other week I wasn't very well, and I was feeling sorry for myself. And uh, Sarah, was, uh, Sarah had gone out, and it's that kind of time of year when the weather doesn't know what it wants to do. Should the washing go outside, or should it go in the dryer? Dryer, right? We're in debate, right? Today, is it, is it a washing on the line? Yeah, you're confident the sun's coming out. Now, now, I wasn't feeling very well, right? So I'm not feeling 100%. And Sarah goes out with the washing on the line. Now, I'm feeling the pressure. I'm, like I say, I'm down here. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Sarah goes out with the washing on the line, and, I, and there's a lot of cloud outside. And I'm thinking, I'm watching it. 
well, I'm not very well. I'm thinking, I'm going to have to do something. And I'm just starting to get a little bit of energy where I'll actually get off the sofa for the first time. I'm thinking, I'm going to have to do something. I'm scared of what Sarah's going to do if it gets wet when she gets back in. So I'm like, I'll go do, and I go to the window and there's a few drops on the, on the window and I'm like, do you know that time? Like, do I go out and get it in or do I leave it? I'm counting the drops on the, on the sheets, one, two, three, four, five. Maybe that'll dry. And you know when it goes past that and you're thinking, well, it's too wet and it's going to smell and it's going to have to go back in the wash again. I'm on the edge of thinking, do, do, do I go out or do I leave it? What do I do? And I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling the fear of Sarah if she comes back in. And it's all, I haven't even done that. And then I leave it. I'm like, I'm going to chance it. And it's at the back of my mind, thinking, oh. Then I see a bigger cloud. And it's a darker cloud. I think I'm not even going to chance this one. So I go out and I get it in. And just as I'm out there, they start pouting down. They're so in the big Big, massive drops of rain, like this big. And, all of a sudden, and I'm grabbing them. Pass me that sheet. Pass me the sheet. And I'm grabbing the sheets as many as I can. And it's like, how many pegs can you hold in one hand, two hands? And, I, and I've got all the pegs and try not to drop them. And, I, and I've got the sheet and the sheet's on the line. For those listening online, I've got a sheet. And it's on the line, right? And I get to this, the, the, the first few sheets and I grabs them. And I'm, I'm, I'm carrying them in the house and I throw them in the house. I think, what do I do with them? I'll just throw them on the chair. So I throw them on the chair and I go back out and I get more and I'm back in the house again. And I'm like, they need to go in the dryer. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm frantic and I walk back in the living room, right? And I walk in and I go, ah! And I just, I had thrown them over the chair and I would position these sheets. I thought there was a ghost in the house. I honestly thought there was a ghost in the house. Oh, there's a ghost in the house. And it freaked me out. And I, and I know there's not a ghost in the house. And I know I put a sheet on the chair. But for a sudden moment, there was a ghost in the house. And Sarah gets back and I said, babe, I know I've been ill, but I'm even worse now. I'm traumatized by, do I go out and get the washing in or what do I do? I've got it out and I put it there and I'm scared. And I, I don't know what to do. But the washing's okay, I've nearly dried it. And she says, why have you put it all over that stuff? I'm like, I've done my best. I'm absolutely worn out with the washing. But listen, I know a bit of fun, but we all have fears, don't we? Let's be honest. And we all have to face them fears. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the biggest fears that we all face is death. It is, I read something recently, it's the permanence arising on our lives. Ooh, didn't want to hear that this morning. I don't know what you tell. I want some good news. I want you to tell me that, you know, eternal life. Yes, but your physical body, every one of us in this room, it is the permanent arising that we all face. Your body will deteriorate. It's going to get less and less. Slow down. Some of you faster than others in here. But your body will deteriorate and eventually die. Are you with me? So it's how do we face that as human beings? Let's be honest. How do we get through that? Because we're all going to have to face it. They reckon most fears that we face, at the back of them, behind it all, is fate and death. We all fear. You know, some fear is good. Let's get some balance. If my kids run out in the street every day on the road going, woohoo, you know, it's not good, is it? It's not good. So some fear is good because it helps to protect us and create boundaries for us. Because if you've got no fear, then you actually can be dangerous. Uh, there's, that low, there's, there's that name, isn't there? No fear. No fear. Have you seen it? No fear. Well, come on, let's be sensible. If you've got no fear, then you're going to die. You're going to self-combust. You're going to do something that's outside. And we all like to push them boundaries at times, don't we? 
We all like to see how far we can go with certain things. But you know what? Without no fear, it's dangerous. So I want to encourage you, some fear is healthy for you. It helps you to keep you safe in life. You know, the law is there to help protect you and keep you safe. We're to live within those boundaries of the law because it protects you and protects other people. It keeps you safe. So it's important that we understand fear. Some fear is healthy for us because it helps us to protect us. But some fear, like white sheets in your house and freaking out, some fear isn't so healthy, especially if it's controlling you. Especially if it's stopping you do actually what you should be doing. I believe God wants us to be us. And if something's stopping you being you, then you need to face it and overcome it so that you don't miss out on life. I remember when I first met Sarah, you know, I was so scared of recommitting because I'd been hurt. And it, was, it felt like one of the most traumatic things that I got to do is actually trust somebody that I might get hurt again. And, you know, and we have at times, you know, upset each other and hurt each other. But I had to face that fear and say, do you know what? I can't let that dictate me for the rest of my life. God's got a plan for my life. Why would he give me a beautiful lady, right? Why would he give me a woman who not embrace her and enjoy her and journey together? So I had to face that fear that was controlling me and push through it. And it freaked me out at times. I freaked out. Sarah freaked out because she'd been hurt. And we had to work through them insecurities and rebuild the bridge again of trust and actually see that she was faithful to me and I was faithful to her and we worked through them. So we've all got different fears that we face that can control us. Are you with me this morning? I'm going to look at a character in the Bible that there's character, more than one character, but he mainly focuses on one character. And I'm going to go to the New Testament this week where Jesus, dis- discipling his disciples, gives them a lesson of facing their fears. And if you're awake this morning, you hear what the kids are doing, walking on water, we're going to be looking at Peter and the disciples. Because I believe Jesus wants us to overcome our fears. He wants us to face them and he wants us to overcome them. And I believe he's given us everything to help us to overcome them in him. So I'm going to look at Matthew 14. We can have it up. I've called this Facing Your Fears, by the way, if you want a title. Let's read from Matthew 14, 22 to 36 from the NIV. And this is Jesus who's... Uh, about to send them in a boat. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Pretty cool that, isn't it? Jesus walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. See, it's not just me that gets scared of ghosts. But immediately Jesus, sorry, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, 
and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, the guy who walks on water, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. And they crossed over and they landed at Gethsemane. Right, okay, so here's a scenario that I believe Jesus is taking his disciples, okay, to face fear, face their inner fears. And he takes them on this scenario. And I think we're all called to be disciples. And I think we're all called to face our fears. We're all called to overcome our fears so that our fears don't overcome us and rob us of life. And what I see here is few things that cause the fear, and then we see the effect of fear. So what was it in here that caused the fear? Well, it's obvious to me that Peter is scared. He's fearful. I don't know what you're like when you're scared, but sometimes I have a funny feeling in my stomach. Does anybody have one of those? Or sometimes my mind begins to play tricks on me. Anybody have that? Is it just me who sees ghosts in the house? <laughs> I do it all the time. I watch the tally, and then all of a sudden, because I've got glasses, I see something from the corner of my glasses, and I look in the window, I think there's someone there, and it's not. It's just a reflection off the TV and my glasses, but I think somebody's there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, there's someone outside. And I get all these horrible feelings that I'm scared that somebody's coming to attack me. And it's just my imagination. All these fears and all these feelings of anxiety and worry that I'm going to get hurt and something's going to happen. And I think Peter, who's sitting in a boat, well, he's probably not sitting in the boat, he's probably standing in the boat at some point now, that the waves are beginning to come against him. And what is he scared of? I would say he's scared of dying. He's scared of dying. Actually, I don't think most of us, if we think about it, death in itself, once death happens, that's it, it's happened. It's not death itself that's a problem. I think it's the pain or the process of death and suffering that we actually fear. Does anybody think about that? Or don't you think about it? We only really think about it when it's on our doorstep, don't we? Some of you are thinking, I'm in church, why do we need to talk about death? Well, we'll all face it. Some people in here may be facing it right now because they're going through scenarios. Peter is facing death right now. The boat, the wind, the waves, it's right in his face and his insecurity is beginning to rise up, which is affected by the circumstances. You see, most of us are affected by our circumstances and our feelings begin to run away with us. Anybody else? And I think Jesus is trying to teach them something here, that don't just be led by your feelings. Don't let your imagination run wild, but there's something else that you can fix your life on. And I think as a disciple, as we grow as a believer, we've got to learn that actually not allowing circumstances or situations to consume us, but actually become rooted and grounded in who God is and who we are in him, rather than allowing the circumstances or the fear to consume us. And listen, we all have to face it. We all have to go against it. But God has made a way that we can conquer it. That's the good news. So what's the, what's the cause it's the 
situation, it's the circumstances, it's the fear of him dying and the pain that he's addressing right there, right on his doorstep. I remember last year when we thought Grace, you know, at times we, she was ill, we thought we might lose her. You begin to get these inner feelings coming out and you, you begin to imagine it. You know, Sarah was imagining the funeral. She was trying to cope with it and, you know, plan it out in her mind because that's how she was coping with it. Plus, she's an organizer, so she was organizing the thing that wasn't even going to happen. But that's how she coped with it. She was organizing a funeral. Why? Because our innermost fears begin to rise up when it's right on our doorstep. Agree? And I believe Jesus, he lets them go on the boat on his own. He doesn't, isn't right with them. He's been with them before in the boat. But on this one, he's like, I want you to grow a little bit here. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to nudge you out a little bit. And I'm just going to allow you to face a situation that begins to bring your worst fears to, to face. I'm going to see what you do with them. Come on. We can't run away from our fears, church. We all have to face them. We all have to face them. But I believe God can give us a courage to be who we are in those situations. We'll all face our fears. So the cause really is his fear of death that he has to address. What's the effect of it? Well, the effect we can see, first of all, that imagination begins to go wild. Isn't it it an amazing thing, the imagination? There's no other creature on the planet that's got an imagination like you. I mean, people, as, as human beings, we've, we've learned how to get people from one place to another to fly on an aircraft all around the world to solve problems. I don't see many monkeys flying around on jet. I don't see them solving the problem. I, I just see them going from tree to tree still. I'm like, where's your imagination? Yes, they adapt. Yes, they've changed. But I don't see the same imagination that a human being has got. When God made man, he said, it is very good. When he made animals, he said, they are good. Why? Because we have an amazing imagination. We've been empowered by God to be creative. You know, you you can imagine any scenario of getting out of something. You think, ah, I've got a problem. And your mind begins to go, right, I'm going to imagine how I'm going to get out of this. You can begin to imagine good things. It's a powerful thing, the imagination. The Bible says, you know, as a man thinks, so he is. So you have the ability to imagine pretty much anything. Whether you can do that, that's another scenario. But your imagination is a wonderful gift from God that you can create good things. The problem is, if we don't learn to manage that, it can also run wild. Especially when our fears and our innermost fears begin to rise up and our emotions take over and the circumstances is consuming us and all of a sudden we feel like we are sinking in life. Has anybody had one of those? Because we're consumed by our emotions and not just our thinking. You see, the imagination is a powerful thing, but we have to learn to, for it not to run wild. Peter's imagination, he was a bit of a wild one. As we can learn, you know, he chopped a person's ear off. You know, he, he was so, you know, I want to go first. He's the guy walking on water. I can do this, Peter. He's a little bit wild like that. And we need people a little bit like that. But we also need them to be self-controlled in love. So here we see the cause is the circumstances 
And ultimately, his innermost fears begin to rise up. But then we see the effect of it. What does he do? As he looks at the situation, he sees a ghost. His imagination is going wild. He's creating something that's not there. I mean, he turns Jesus into a ghost. I mean, how many people do that? (laughs) Turn Jesus into a ghost. I turn this sheet in my house into a ghost. It's not a ghost, right? We've all seen Scooby-Doo, yeah? let, Let me have a volunteer. Who's a volunteer? Ben, come here. Right? I was going to do this when we walk. I was going to get somebody walking from the back, but I thought I might freak some people out and I might have a heart attack. So I thought, I better not do this. He said, mind his hair, right? Scooby-Doo, we all know it's a ghost, don't we? We all know it's a person because we've seen Scooby-Doo before. Give us a ooh. ooh. See? <laughs> You're all scared now, aren't you? Give us another one, Ben. I can't see the <laughs> Is that a bad ghost? Marks out of 10. 10, 10 out of 10, right? You all know, right? It's Ben under there. But as you're looking at it, I know you're scared. Right? I know you're scared. Why? Because this is what happens with fears. With fears, we generally put masks on things. You know, the person you fall out with at work, all of a sudden, you've put a mask on them. This terrible person that they are, they're like a ghost. What have you done? Your innermost fears put a mask over the top of them because it's built on fear. While we've all watched Scooby-Doo, we know it's not a ghost. I've watched it with my kids. My kids couldn't sleep at night watching Scooby-Doo. We had to stop them watching it when they were younger, right? I'm like, it's not real. But in their imagination at that age, they begin to run wild and create something out of their innermost fears. And as believers, we've got to not let our minds run wild and create something or put masks on people out of our insecurities and our fears. Are you okay, man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's take him and give Ben a round of applause. (laughs) Thanks, Ben. Sorry for messing your hair up. Okay? So the cause is we begin to sink. We begin to feel, you know, not good. We begin to be consumed if we're not careful. So what's the remedy? How do we deal with this? How do we face our fears? How do we overcome? You know, what does Jesus want them to do? And it's, it doesn't just all happen on this day. There's a bigger story to this about Peter and facing his insecurities and facing his fears. We can't look at all of it here, but I think we can look at some things about Peter and what Jesus says to him. So the first thing he says to him or says to them is this, take courage. Take courage. You know, you've got to take courage. You've got to receive courage. Not only have they got it, Peter believed in Jesus. He, He had a desire to go to him. If you have no desire to go to Jesus or come to him, you're not going to discover him. But if you have a desire, Peter, I want to come to you. If it's you, Lord, I want to come to you. Peter, Jesus says to him, come then, come to me. And he says, out he steps and he steps on the water. Why? Because he has a desire to go to Jesus. But as he looks at the situation, the circumstances, what happens? It begins to overwhelm him and he begins to sink. But then what does Jesus say to him? Take courage. And I want to encourage you, if you feel in a situation where you face fears and you feel like you're beginning to sink, take courage. 
Say, come on, I'm strong. I might be weak, but do you know what? With God, I'm strong. Joshua, when he faced his situation, his fears, God comes to him, give him courage. Be strong and courageous. You have to take courage. You have to say, I'm going to be strong in this situation. I'm going to get through it because Jesus is with me. Take courage. How do you take courage? Look back at your life and remember the victories you've had. Think of a scenario when you felt like rubbish and you were consumed before, but you actually got through it and you got the other side and now you felt the other side. And you were like, wow, I felt terrible when I was in it, but when I got the other side, man, I I feel great again. And remember that victory so that when you face another fear, you say, well, I got through that one so I can get through this one. I know it wasn't nice back then, and I faced some of my innermost fears, but I know I got through it, so I'm going to get through it again. So remember your victories. Listen to other people who've had victories through similar situations, who were maybe consumed by the situation, but actually managed to get through the other side of it and get a victory. I think I said it the other week, you know, courage is not about the absence of fear. Most of us think there's going to be no fear. No, we're going to have to face our fear and our innermost innermost fears, but we're going to have to press through to get a victory. So look back at your life. Maybe journal, if you like journaling. Write it down. As you go through life this week, begin to journal it. Well, this, this person made me feel like that. Why? Why did I feel right rubbish? Why did I react in an angry way? Where is that coming from? Usually it's coming from our insecurities. Can I act in a better way? Can I use, can I be more courageous and be more kind rather than reacting in that way? And listen, we all do it. We all make mistakes. But if you look at your life and, 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 and look at your innermost reactions to situations and see if you can improve on a daily basis. Learn from your past. Ultimately, who do we want to look at? We want to look at Jesus and Jesus' victory. We want to learn what he did and in terms of defeating death. So take courage. Are you still with me this morning? Not scared you all, have I? I probably get a few emails this week, people saying I've been having dreams about ghosts. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing is, I just called it faith because I don't know what else to say in, you, in the situation of facing fear. Peter, Jesus says to Peter, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Let's read what Peter later writes, Peter's seen victory, Pete, Peter's fallen short and messed up. Not just on this situation, but many, situa- many scenarios. You know, he says, I'm going to do this for you, Jesus. And then he denies Jesus because of his innermost fears. He's scared of what people, fa- people think of him. But more importantly, he's probably scared he's going to die and be crucified like Christ. So he denies Christ. Yet listen to what he writes now after Christ has loved him. Let's read 1 Peter 1, verses 1 to 5. He says, this is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 
who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And then this is what he writes. This is the guy who, you know, messed up on many occasions. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So this inheritance for you that can never fade, God's love for you and me can never fade. I love that. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith, faith are shielded, and this is what I love, by God's power. I mean, who do you want on your side when you're facing a fear? Who do you want on your side when you're facing your worst fears? I know I want. You know, there's some great people on, in here who I want, you know, to support me when I'm going through stuff, and hopefully I'll support you, but I know there's someone who's even greater who I want on my side when I'm facing my worst fears. I want God on my side. How do we get that? It says here, through faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So how do we conquer our fears? How did Peter conquer his insecurities and the things he'd done, you know, feeling bad about himself? How did he do that? Through faith in God. And that's how we face our fears. We simply go, do you know what? I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. When Peter walked on water, he put his faith in Jesus. He put his faith in the words of Jesus, come to me. Yet all of a sudden, he's faced by circumstances that begin to consume him, and he starts to go down. Does Jesus still want me to come to him? How many of us feel like that? Jesus doesn't love me because I've done something wrong. Jesus doesn't love me because I've, I've messed up. Jesus hasn't changed saying, come to him. He never changes. He never changes with his love. He never changes with his his, his unconditional love for you. It doesn't change. The ones who change are us by our emotions and our wrong thinking. How do we conquer that? By looking at God through our faith in him. How do we do that? We put our faith in what God says, not what, how we're feeling. I'm going to put my trust in God. God loves me. Yeah, even when I mess up. Peter messed up. He denied Jesus, yet Jesus came back to Peter to restore him again. He restored him. Why? Because he unconditionally loved him. How do you get through your fears? By putting your faith in the unconditional love of God through Jesus Christ. How am I going to face death? Through the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. How am I going to face these people? Through the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. You have to get your shield of faith up and say, I'm going to extinguish what's being fired at me. I'm going to take control over this wrong thinking. I'm going to remove this doubt. I'm going to get my faith back in God because his love is unconditional and it hasn't changed and it never will change. That's how you do it. God has given you the ability in him to overcome. It's not in you and it's not in me, but it's in him. Are you getting that? As soon as Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink. 
As soon as we put our eyes on ourselves, what happens? We begin to sink. Or is it just me? You know, I have moments leading this church. I think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to lead this church? And my head goes backwards and forwards, and, 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 and I've got, you know, all of a sudden, wrong thinking in my mind, and my inner insecurities start coming up, and thinking, how am I going to do this? And I'm overwhelmed by it, and you begin to sink, and thinking, I can't do this anymore, God. Why? Where are my eyes? They're on me. They're on me. Or they're on the other person who's looked at me the wrong way or offended me or said something and trying to, you know, say something didn't even intend to, but it made me feel insecure. And all of a sudden, I can't do this anymore. Where should my eyes be? Jesus. Because he's the one who doesn't change. Yes, we can learn from the mistakes. Yes, I can get stronger, right? But it's only going to be found in God. So I have to get my faith back up and say, do you know what? I've taken my eyes off Jesus. Get my eyes back on Jesus. Why? Because his power is available to me and his power is available to you. How are we going to get through death? Well, I'm not going to get through death. There's only one who's conquered death. I need to get my eyes back on him. How am I going to get through this suffering I'm getting through, going through right now? There's only one way I'm going to get through it. It's getting my eyes back on Jesus. And very often we focus on how we feel. And listen, I'm not diminishing how you're feeling because they're real feelings and you've got to be honest about them. But ultimately, you've got to fix your eyes back on Jesus. You know, the devil's job is to put doubt into your heart and to rob you of a confidence in God. But your job is simply to do this. Get your shield of faith. Get it back again and say, do you know what? Even though I face death, even though I face difficulty, even though somebody tells me I'm no good, I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus who is unconditionally loving me and continually loves me on a daily basis and forevermore keeps loving me. How are you going to get your courage back? By putting your faith in God and holding on to his promise. Because his promises don't change. His principles that you put into your life don't change. They work. Put your faith in Jesus. Next thing for you to do, and I'll hurry up, is to be self-controlled. And I've put be alert. Let's read 1 Peter. This is Peter again, who has been through difficulty, who has let Jesus down, but Jesus has restored him as he's put his faith back in Jesus, the unconditional love of God. And this is what he writes. In the same way you are, who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. We'll never do it in ourselves. We can't possibly be God and conquer the things that we need to conquer. But in God, we can conquer them when we recognize that we need him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may, here we go, Peter, who fell into the water, who Jesus lifted up, that he may lift you up in due time. Wow. You're going through a difficult situation. What are you going to do? Humble yourself to God. Cry out to him and allow him to lift you above the situation. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it's not difficult, but I'd encourage you to cry out to God. Peter had to learn this lesson. He had to understand that he and himself couldn't defeat death. 
but he himself would, would, would sink into the water. Who was the one who lifted him up? God's mighty hand lifted him up. How are you going to face death? With God's mighty hand lifting you up. How are you going to get through? With God's mighty hand lifting you up. How are you going to conquer that situation? God's mighty hand lifting you up. That's the only way. Under God's mighty hand. I mean, who else am I going to be under? Me. <laughs> I can't do it. Who's going to do it? God. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then he says this, and this is what I love. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast it all onto him. Cast your worries, your fears onto him because he cares for you. And then he says this, be alert and sober-minded. Or one version says, be self-controlled. How are you going to master your fears? By being self-controlled. Choosing for the love of God to be in your heart and not allowing the situation or circumstances to consume you, but actually be strong-minded, knowing who you are, that I'm loved, this is who I am, and be confident in that. And then he says this, your enemy the devil prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to this eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you. Peter knew about being restored. He'd fallen short, but God didn't give up on him. We'll, we'll restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And then he says this, because he knew it wasn't him. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Did I say that? Okay. <laughs> so how do you get through it? Self-control, be alert. You know, sometimes we go out of this room and we don't even think that there's maybe a devil in this world. If I open these doors today and there was a, a, a lion on the car park you would react very differently to if there wasn't a lion on the car park, wouldn't you? Yes. Well, guess what, church? There is a lion in this world who wants to devour people. And we need to wake up to it, not to scare you, because we have God's mighty hand who is above and has conquered him. But we need to wake up in this world that there is a lion out there who wants to devour people and take them. And if we don't wake up, and be aware of it, we ourselves will be affected by it, be intimidated by it. I'm not even going to, I can't tell that person about it because what will they think about me? My innermost fear is rising up, you see. But am I going to put my confidence in God and communicate the gospel, the good news? Am I going to allow my inner fears to rule me? Or am I going to operate in self-control and love that God has a message for this this community. God has a message for this world. And I'm not going to let a roaring lion intimidate me anymore because you know whose mighty hand is on my side? My mighty God who parts the waters, who breaks strongholds, who conquers death. No, no roaring lion can intimidate me anymore. Yes, I might feel a little bit intimidated. Yes, things might come up inside of me, but a mighty hand is on my side. And I want to encourage you to have the courage to be. When you get intimidated by things, write it down and think, why was I like that? I need to know who I am in God a little bit more. 
And I need to grow in that confidence, God, like Peter had to learn when he felt no good and he was rejected. Jesus, I call out to you. Will you lift me up with your mighty hand and help me discover who I am again? Restore in me the things that need to be restored. I think that's good preaching, by the way. And that's not me. Praise God for him helping me to do this. God's mighty hand lifted Peter up. God's mighty hand will lift you up when you face your fears. God's mighty hand will defeat death and you will rise again because that's what he promised. God's mighty hand is with you. That's why we sing the song. God is with us. Keep it real. Be normal. But ultimately, put your faith in God. I'm going to finish there. I'm going to ask Rich to come up. And I want us to you know, sing a song. I want us to sing this song as a response. You know, if our eyes are on ourselves, we'll continually either think we're not good enough if we look at our faults, okay? But if we look at God when we sing these songs, listen, worship is not about us. Worship is about who God is, okay? Worship is about who God is. It's got nothing to do with us. It's all about him, so when you go out this week, your lifestyle is worship. Why? Because your eyes are on God. So if you can go from here with your eyes on God and follow God, then you'll live a life of worship. But as soon as you put your eyes on yourself and you rock the wrong things that you do, if you're not careful, you can pull yourself down. Learn from them, but don't put yourself down. Worship is about your eyes on God, on God's mighty hand on God's unconditional love that doesn't change. This week, I would encourage you to be who God's called you to be. Face your fears with a confidence in God that God has a confidence in you. God has a confidence in you. Come on, let's stand. You know, maybe there's people in here that don't know God. You know, Peter had to understand that salvation was the only way that he would be saved. And the Bible said there's no other name in heaven or earth that a person can be saved. There's only one name that can save, and that name is Jesus, which means salvation. And Jesus had to come so that people could be saved from their sin and enter into heaven and have a new life. But it can only be done through Jesus. And you know what? Peter stood in that water. He stood on the water. Then he began to sink. And as he began to sink, all he did was cry out, Jesus, save me. And maybe you're here today and, you know, maybe your life's felt like that, that you've been sinking. Or maybe it hasn't. You Maybe you think, well, life's okay. But I will pretty much say one day you will face your fears and you will face and ask the question about your existence and what happens after death. I would so encourage you to respond to the good news of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, I'm simply going to ask you to do this like Peter did. Lift up your hand so that God can lift you up. Accept Jesus as your saviour. So if there's anyone here, just as we're closing our eyes, focusing on God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to know Jesus Christ as your saviour. Maybe you feel like you've been sinking. You can lift your hand up and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, be my saviour this morning.